Welcome to Questions from the Closet. I'm Ben Shalati. And I'm Charlie Bird. Each episode, we discuss a question we commonly get asked as LGBTQ plus Latter-day Saints. We're not trying to answer this question or come to a consensus, but simply sharing our perspectives. Today's question is, why come out if I can pass a straight? Ben and I are not terribly diverse, and we share many opinions and life experiences. For example, we both often wear neckties. However, there are some pretty big differences. For example, Charlie sometimes wears bow ties, and I never do. So tell me about your aversion to the bow tie. I don't have an aversion to bow ties. I just don't have enough proximity. I just never wear them. Proximity? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so like going to, like whenever I'd wear a tux, which wasn't a lot for like things at school. Like prom? I didn't ever wear a tux to prom, but I was in Did you go to prom? Yeah. Who did you go to prom with? Uh, I went with Angela my junior year and Shannon my senior. No, that's not true. I went with did Angela you ask myself. them? Did you ask them in a fun way? Uh, no, that wasn't a thing back then. Really? Yeah. Wow. It was like, it was becoming a thing in Utah, but it hadn't seeped into mm, Northwest culture, culture yet. So in Seattle, we didn't do that. You just like called them and said, hey, is so-and-so there? Like, yeah. And they go get their kid. Okay. Like, hey, this is Ben. Carry on. You understand how phones work. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Uh, yeah <laughs> but i have to wear a tie all the time because i have to wear one for work monday through thursday yeah. so and honestly i don't like wearing ties but i look amazing in them which is a problem <laughs> well i wore bow ties to both proms that i went to um i went with kirsten and grace and one of them was prom queen so there you go oh nice okay so i was on i homecoming. can't believe this turned into prom i thought this was about ties well i was on homecoming court so they like gave us tuxes for that okay. and also there's this thing called mr everett high school like this competition did with you guys. win i didn't was there a swimsuit competition there was not but i was in it three years and they gave us tuxes every year too so anyway i think bow ties are fun i wear them like if i'm trying to dress up be a little snazzy sometimes yeah Just... i don't like that the that your buttons show i like that the tie covers the buttons well you have to have a shirt with the right buttons oh, yeah I, I don't have yeah. one of those we're gonna go shopping let's go we've been shopping before it's been a blast Men's that warehouse. one time <laughs> it was great i bought the shoes i'm wearing right now actually when we went shopping uh we would like to provide a variety of voices and perspectives so today we're joined by Stephen cat perry steve tell us a little bit about yourself uh i live here in provo my wife, Joanne, and I have been married for 34 years, four kids, two grandkids. <gasps> Congratulations. In the last year and a half. Two so little exciting. girls about a month apart. Very, very exciting. And they must I, not be sisters. They are not. They are cousins. And that's been a lot of fun. And also, uh, our big adventure the last couple of years has been me being more out as a gay person. And uh, which was something that for over 30 years, obviously, has been part of our lives together. This was not news to Joanne, but uh, just kind of seemed irrelevant at the time. Big surprise uh, that that's not ever the case. And uh, anyway, through a series of circumstances, it just became wise for me, uh, for my mental health to just start being out. Great. Well, so can I ask some questions? Well, I want to say some more things about Steve as a person first. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, So... As a child of the 90s who grew up in the church, you're like one of the most famous people I know because you wrote From Camorra's Hill and Come to the House of the Lord, which were like big deals for us churchy folks in the 90s. That's so fun. I'm so glad that that you you remember them. I still listen to those songs. They're like part of my childhood. My mom's favorite song is Look Up. Mm. And... The Lion Sleeps Tonight, whatever that song is, she likes that song too. So, <laughs> I didn't write that one, by the way. <laughs> a classic. 
Um, but I met you when I was like, I was, I forget why I was there, but I was in the BYU broadcasting building, like walking down the stairs and you were coming up and you were like, Ben Shalati, I'm Steve Perry. I was like, oh my gosh, Steve Perry knows who I am. And that was like the most exciting moment of my life. That's cute. Okay. We need to work on his life. <laughs> I was like, we, we can to. elevate this, Ben. <laughs> Just like we're going to elevate you to the bow tie. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. Not uh, that you're not wonderful. Like I, <laughs> I hope that didn't sound like, yeah, Steve, you're nothing. You're great. Yeah. Anyway. So I've always, I've been an admirer since I was a kid. Anything you want to say about Steve Charlie? <laughs> I don't. This is the first time I've met Steve, but so far I'm very impressed. Yeah, I'm liking this first part of the interview. This is really good. <laughs> what yeah. else can we say yes. about Steve? And, and your your mother is Janice Cat Perry. Yes, who's a, who's she a, is. She is terrific. Do you feel like you live in her shadow? Uh, I never have thought of it. That <laughs> Am way. I allowed to ask? I'm just too much taller than her. I, could never, <laughs> so. I love that. That's awesome. Okay. No, it's always been a good thing. Yeah, well, she's wonderful. So, you guys have made a great impact. So, like four years ago, your mom added me on Facebook, and I was like, "So I was excited. with him when it happened." I was like, "Oh my gosh!" He was like screaming and jumping around my and house. Then, and then a few weeks later, I got a message from her. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I got a message from Jazz Cat Perry, and it was a scam. <laughs> I was like, "No!" I told her to stop doing this thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> that's funny. Anyway, she told me. Anyway, it wasn't really her. Um, okay. But let's get to the topic. So, ahead. Steve, you were saying you. Um, came out in the past couple of years, I guess. Um, publicly. Publicly, right. So I've, I, I have been to certain friends and family members along the way, but it the time I grew up, which was not the 90s, um, uh, I was born in 1960. So first of all, I, there weren't even words. Right. And I am so impressed with a lot this, of your this guests. This is like even pre Civil, like gay rights movement. I thought you were going to say civil war. <laughs> Pray civil war. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> Man, you are old. I'm just kidding. No, I remember. But but no, I I didn't even, like the the terms and like the symbolism of like modern gay culture is so new, and it, yeah. it like to me it just feels like it was always that way. But yeah, and I am so impressed with young people like in their twenties that you guys talk to and have on as guests how informed they are and how much they know both about the history and even about themselves that we just didn't know. I mean, this was not a thing talked about uh, even in church actually yeah, mm-hmm. very much. And and then when it was the most negative terms and people saying, I hesitate to even use these words. Right. And it was like, Oh, that makes me feel like a good person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So when you were dating Joanne, could you pass this straight with her? Like you said, you told her before you guys got married, talk to us about that. So I sort of told her before we got married. So if you ask me, did I tell her? I would say yes. And if you ask her, and I have to say this because she's right here in the room, with us, is <laughs> she would say, ah, no, I don't recall you saying that. <laughs> oh, no. Because um, I had, I really hated dating, but we had become for years really great friends and then best friends. We tried dating, didn't seem to work for reasons we all now know. And then, but but later, suddenly things did work out. And there was this, uh, I mean, I just fell in love. And so naively, I thought, oh, I guess I finally grew up. I guess I'm just a, a late bloomer, that kind yeah, of thing. Mm-hmm. And so we we very much wanted to get married. I was very much in love and thought, how great, this is all working out perfectly. And then it was a little later, we had a conversation about, I mean, the love still is just as real was and is now but that didn't change my overall orientation it's sort of i think i heard someone call this a situational attraction where it's just out of the blue it's this thing that's the exception to everything else 
Mm-hmm. So as you're dating her, it, it sounds like you at least knew a, a part of you understood or knew that you were attracted to men. Yes. Um, and, and how did you manage those feelings? I think it's really easy when something is too much to deal with or too difficult or you don't have a clue what it even is to somehow not know it. We block things off. Mm-hmm. And I think that was it. I mean, I was sort of aware. Um, I actually, and I think this is an exception because of some experiences I had, spiritual ones, I knew I was okay. But I also knew it was absolutely not safe to talk about this with anyone. Because mm-hmm. uh, I had seen what happened with, with other yeah. other people. So I, I think it was just all pushed off in my mind. And I just thought, someday I'll deal with this. Right now, I'm... I'm studying, I'm in school, right? all the rest. And then, uh, so we fell in love, we got married. And so I just sort of thought that was the tie a neat bow on it, happily ever after. And then find out that uh, it's more complicated than that. Yeah. So in your mind, in Joanna's mind, were you passing as straight in this marriage? Well, at first I thought, well, I guess I became straight. I grew up and that must be what happens or can happen. Mm-hmm. And then later real, uh, realized, no, I'm still the me I always was. I just happened to also be in love with this person who's the exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you kind of talked about, I like the way you described something that was like almost too big to handle. So you block it out. Um, it's like a protection. It's like a coping mechanism, right? Yeah. To, to keep yeah. you from having to enter that mess. Um, and I think that's super relatable for a lot of people across a lot of different mm-hmm. issues. Um, so what was it about... your life that forced you to look back at that because you know you said you it felt like this neat little bow had been tied on this box or or, you know figuratively and so how did it open back up again you guys did this great episode recently that i want everyone to listen to about minority stress and i didn't understand that that's what my life was Mm. and in talking to a counselor it's sort of what they call complex ptsd which is not some singular traumatic event it's just the constant accumulation of of little things that you just push off jokes people make the way i mean i don't want to sit here and just rattle off but i i could give you a hundred examples i you know from every part of my life of things uh, things were said to me because i was involved in music uh a mission companion i found out once he found out I sang, he started calling me Sister Perry when he talked about me to everyone behind my back. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't even want to say all the things, but there was just always constantly something to tell you to be on guard, to watch how you stand, to watch how, all of those things. And so at a certain point, um, I started having panic attacks and realized it was only at church. Like I had to stand up and leave the meeting I was in. I didn't know why, but I knew I had no choice. I had to leave. And so in talking with the counselor. And you couldn't even, like, you couldn't even put words to why. You just. No, knew. I thought, uh, first I thought, I mean, I'm in my 40s. This is a little young for a heart attack and I'm in good shape. So oh. uh, I just thought, what's happening? Because, you know, your heart rate's going. And that was my first clue. I thought, oh, my body is standing up. I should make an excuse for it. <laughs> like, uh, I'll be right back. And then just had to go outside and take my loosen my tie, not a bow tie, <laughs> and, um, and, and then just breathe outside. And figuring out this was only a church and working with the counselor, it was just sort of, um, I was feeling 
finally, the accumulated effects, I think, of just all of this stuff and and feeling uh, that something had to change. Why do you think it was that church where those pressures were building up versus uh, because that's life? where way more than school or any place else, I had gotten all the negative mm. things either done or said. And it and it kind of sounds like you know you talked about this, which I'm sorry, like I'm sorry, I'm like I really don't know how to say sorry for that, and that like your life has been such a way that you were made to feel ashamed of who you are, what you love or your talents or your gifts. Like I'm just, like, well, you guys have been there. I know. And it just, it just breaks my heart every time. But, uh, but if you had asked me at the time, I would not have said, this is the theme of my life. I would right. have said, I'm excited about this project. And For I'm sure. in, but it's just this but those background layers, thing. Yeah. Um, but, but just like with that sister Perry example, um, and it's it's just such a like strong nod to the idea that anything that's not exclusively heterosexual and hypermasculine is less than. Yeah, because there's so much fear that like so I'm singing at church on my mission because that's a thing I know how to do and I thought here I am serving the Lord. It's beautiful. But that is really suddenly threatening to a companion who he's always thought those there was something wrong with those people and suddenly right. I'm one of them and he's got to right. defend himself. Is that, is that sad. Kind of if, if it's viewed as like feminine, it's, it's gay, it's bad. And yeah. that's just, I don't know. That always makes me sad. Yeah. So as, as we talked about the, the title of this episode, we, we picked a term that was that, or a, a phrase that has judgment in it. Like, like yes. why, like why come out if I can pass this straight? And I, I really like phrasing it that way the bad way because that's how it's usually asked like people say why why would you need to come out you know you're married you have kids all of that and they say why would you why would you come out if you don't have to and the way that there's judgment in that meaning why would you confess to this horrible thing if you didn't need to and the imagery I, I have is why would you tell people you have a horrible rash over your whole body if you can just wear clothes Mm-hmm. And no one needs to know. And it's saying, even in the asking of the question, that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And it validates the shameful aspects. Yeah, yeah. And so I, we just, I just felt like this box was getting smaller and smaller. And finally, uh, with Joanna and I, it was like, either I step out of this box or I'm going to be buried in it because uh, I was mm-hmm. taking nosedives in depression and all that fun stuff. But I really appreciate Joanne saying, whatever you have to do for your mental health, do. And so I just slowly started coming out to to someone at work. Kind of just when I felt that that feeling like, you should do this. You should talk to this person, which was really terrifying at first. And then almost became fun after a while because it was like, uh, I'm going to learn a whole lot about this person I'm talking to in just a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by how they react, and, <laughs> yeah. they, and so, and I would often have to help people through the process. Like I'm coming out to them, and they don't know how to handle it. So, yeah. here, let me hold your hand. Not literally, that would have really scared them. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me walk you through how you might choose to respond to this. For but, sure. And as you're doing that, what sort of terminology are you using? Uh, I would usually and still do. I start out uh, just getting cutting right to the chase. Like, thank, uh, thanks for taking a minute to talk to me. Um, 
a few years ago, I had this really strong spiritual prompting. I should start coming out to people. So that's what I'm doing. I'm coming out to you as a gay man. And then the second thing I say, because I know it's on their mind, uh, my wife, Joanne, and I um, are very happily married for 34 years. And uh, we're, we, for us, that's the right choice to stay together. We plan mm-hmm. on doing that. Do you have any questions? I'm welcome. I'm happy and to like, answer yeah. them. <laughs> like, yeah, we have a few. So <laughs> the question is, why come out if you could pass a straight? <laughs> yeah, and, and that really is the question. And you know what? Before I came tonight, I wanted to be prepared because you guys are always good. You always have great information. I didn't want to be the dud. Steve, we're never prepared. We're not prepared. I know, but you fake it so well. I didn't Thank know. Thank you so Now much. I'm looking at here. You have no notes, no outline, no organization. What's, no. So I'm here with 22 pages of stuff I printed out because <laughs> that I don't worry, listeners, that I won't share, but that I, I ask in a couple of online forums and a men's group I go to, how would you answer this question? And people had stuff to say. It was mm-hmm. like, thanks. And they just wanted to s- s- say stuff about this, about why they had to. And I could share just a couple Please of them. Please do. It's yeah, really, really interesting. interesting. Uh, we don't hear a lot from the women. So I was really excited to have some women respond. And here's one who said, please use my name. So this is Jody Palmer. And she, she has her story on the website. And she gives, here's just a few lines from her coming out post. She says, um, first of all, she, sh- she shares a poem uh, from Pima Chodron, a, a Buddhist teacher. Uh, you can't get away from suffering. That's the good news. For at the core of your most painful experiences, perhaps more than anywhere else, you will find the seeds of your awakening. Mm. In other words, you kind of have to face certain things, and that's where you're going to find your joy. But what what she said was that when she found herself as a married mother of four and suddenly just collapsing in the kitchen to her knees and thinking, I can't keep on living, she knew something had to change. So for her, it was a matter of, and she's got a beautiful article you could look um, look up. Uh, another woman said, uh, my sexuality is an important part of who I am, and I don't want to hide that part. I don't want to change it. I want people to know me for who I am, and I want to fight the perception that there are no LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. Mormons do do gay, uh-huh. to sort of paraphrase a recent oh. item in the news. Uh-huh. <laughs> we don't need to go anymore. And also, she wanted other LDS people, LGBTQ, to know that they aren't alone. Mm-hmm. And that's actually turned out to be a huge thing for me is when I started coming out, I kind of, I don't usually get answers in words to prayers and direction that way, but it just somehow there's a vague idea. And if I chase it down, usually I find I'm on the right path. And the words I had were uh, visibility and representation. Just like we need to know that there are people in every congregation who are LGBTQ, Mm -hmm. Uh, that actually what is normal is for a certain percentage of people to be LGBT. That's actually the normal human experience. But we have not been taught that. I mean, it's viewed as an abnormality. I have heard that. Yeah. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) But but I I love the way you said that because it's it's natural. It's a common occurrence. It's it's a human experience that when is viewed as an abnormality people grow up thinking it is and then she collapses in the kitchen because of all of these layers 
That's, yeah, it's so for some people it be it gets down to a live or die situation. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, just last night I was talking to a, a group of people um, and one, a group of allies, and one of them asked me. You know, they said they had a friend. I can't remember if it was a friend or a family member who they were like sure was gay, and they wanted to like let them know they could come and talk to them, and they'd like done their best, like show their allies, and like but they're not coming out. Like, what do I do? And I said, well, they, they might not be gay. You know, we, we don't know. But one of the things I said was that for a lot of people, like this is a hard thing and it's a painful thing to come out for many people. And so people don't do it until the pain of staying in the closet yeah. is greater than the pain of coming out. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, you know, from what you read from Jody, like that's how she was feeling. Yeah. One of my favorite things at work was I came out to this particular guy. And, and where do you work? I'm not sure you said I work at BYU Broadcasting. So you can listen to me middays every weekday on Classical 89, announcing the greatest hits of the last 500 years. And then you can also hear me hosting my podcast, In Good Faith. You can subscribe wherever your pod, you get your podcasts. And that's talking to people of all different faiths. Uh, and finding commonalities and belief, cool. that kind of thing. You've got a voice for radio and a face for TV, Steve. I was thinking it was the other way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what else did you um, get from those posts? Well, I, I, I had some people say, you have to be really careful. Uh, what you were just saying about someone said, I think my friend is gay. I, why can't they come out to me? And so I came out to this one guy at work. Uh, particular department and and, uh, we're friends and he said well thank you for sharing that with me he said it's the strangest thing he said I never would have guessed but thank you for sharing he said everyone thinks I am because of the way I talk my manner isn't Mm -hmm. but I'm not and he he, he first thought I was approaching him saying if you want to come out to be I'm a safe person but I wasn't I was Uh coming out to him so just be real careful judging people yeah um I really love uh Hang on, let me just flip through many, many pages. There are only 22 of them. Yes. Oh, this one guy said, uh, he said, you can use these responses anonymously. He's not really out except to a few family members, but he wants to be heard. Mm -hmm. Coming out is a cry for compassion, meaning I don't understand why I am the way I am. That's his first thing. Coming out is a cry for community. Is there somebody else who deals with this and can I connect and and learn in some way? And then finally he says, coming out is a cry for companionship. I need someone to be able to love me for me, mm-hmm. which I thought was really pretty cool. Yeah. So if I were to summarize that, it's I need to love myself. I need to have community and I need someone to love me who sees me. Yeah, yeah. Here's another guy said that, I know this is so simple. Currently, that is the state of my life, but I was just so tired of pretending i had pretended my whole life i was tired of putting on an act and he talks about work and church and family and friends emotionally i just could not do it because you know people want to be honest and they feel like they're not being here's one from a church employee who actually retired early because he just he couldn't take being in that situation and fearing constantly for losing his job. If someone said something, if, if he said the wrong thing, I passed for straight. I passed it straight for years, primarily because as a church employee, I feared I would lose my job, my insurance, you know, not support my family. I came out to overcome depression and suicidal ideation by being my true self. Mm-hmm. And anyway, that's too bad. If uh, I wonder what, like, the listener is feeling as they hear these things because I'm, I'm noticing that as you read them i'm like oh yeah 
uh-huh <laughs> yeah like it feels so normal to me but yeah. like thinking from an outside perspective like these are like tragic and important and you know mm-hmm. well because people do say if if you do come out to people they say well don't tell people that you don't need mm-hmm. to tell people that like i'm very uncomfortable hearing this is what they're saying yeah yeah and which just only perpetuates it it's like don't tell me this shameful thing about yourself let's go back to pretending that things were how they were yeah 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 and i, I think what you what you both are getting at are you know for the listeners this might feel like really heavy and maybe people are perhaps overreacting mm. um but this is like these are relatable things like just, these are yeah that's just like all of these thoughts are just so normal and they they feel so congruent with my life experience and my prior thoughts yeah steve did you fear losing your job coming out um i didn't think so um partly because i'm sort of a safe gay guy Uh meaning here meet my children meet my wife meet my grandchildren (laughs) yeah and so also buy my cd at deseret book and hear me on byu radio (laughs) thank you for repeating that Uh, if we could do it at the end too Yeah, I, I think some people are willing to hear me. And that's part of why I feel like I need to be out and just be out out. Um, is because people need to know it's your neighbor, it's your coworker, it's it's all of that. Well, and I feel like some of that shift is gonna need to come like like I, I think the the greater public like we really need to shift the way we view um like orientation diversity right and and you know we talk about this all the time how it's this hypersexualized thing or it's viewed as a sin or a defect or a disease mm-hmm. you know something that's to be removed and and that's the way people grow up like like that's i mean i feel like that's how we both viewed it growing up in ourselves yeah. because that's what we were taught and that was so hard and then you get to this place where you're like actually this is part of me it's it's not feelings it's it's an orientation it impacts who i am and my experiences and how i relate to people and how i relate to the world and it's just like so infused like you can't even really separate it from the the being at least for me um but then it's met with that same shame by everybody else and that's so hard Mm -hmm, it's so hard when you're like no like this is something that's not that that i i should talk about because it's it's a beautiful thing that increases my ability to love and connect and grow and add to life but i think people were surprised to hear you say it's a beautiful thing that adds to because everyone goes directly to sex oh yeah but you can be attracted to um i've recently heard on a podcast someone's clever banter that that's attractive uh, you can. Well, that was me. <laughs> oh, Ben's attracted to banter, <laughs> and so um, you can also so intellectually, or right. your uh, you like someone's uh, the way they think about things or talk about. I mean, there there's all these different ways that you find various people attractive, but but we usually jump right to sex. And if you tell people about it, it's like, oh, here's a deviant just about ready to burst forth and do something horrible mm-hmm. instead of. No, I'm just a guy who really needs to have men who are friends. I'm I'm actually oriented that way, not only for attraction, but I need to have men who are my friends. Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel validated as a man mm-hmm. and easier to do everything else I do in my life. Yeah, definitely. You know, this one guy said, um, 
he said, uh, coming out signifies my, this is a guy with a, a whole ton of kids and great dad and husband. He says, coming out signifies my own acceptance of myself. When I hide I'm gay, I feel like I'm putting on an act, which leads me to wonder whether people would love me and accept, accept me if they knew the real me. And then this is my favorite. Being open helps me and others to recognize some of the emotional, intellectual, spiritual, and physical needs I have to feel connected and healthy. Which uh, I just think is interesting to think of it as a wider thing than just a sexual attraction, but mm -hmm. even the need for friendship right. and validation. Because a lot of us, I can only speak for myself, have really avoided having close male friends. I've had great friends, you know, coworkers, people I've served with the church, but always kept a distance because that seemed necessary. There's a fear that there's a fear of falling in love, right? There's a fear. Well, of, or of people finding out who I actually am and rejecting. You. Yeah. 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 I mean, and what this, what I heard from this last person's um, comment was it's hard when you're living and who you are is not congruent with the way other people view you. Mm. Like that incongruence is, is so hard to live within. So, if, so Charlie, I've, I've read your book. I've read Ben's book. Yeah. And this was kind of a traumatic experience deciding to be out. I mean, experiences that you had, it sounds like. Yeah, of course. I, I don't so, know if that's if that's avoidable. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. But, but were you surprised by the reactions you got, the supportive reactions? Because it seems like, by and large, that's what you got. Um, yes. And that's also what I shared. Oh, you shared those. Yeah. You know, I like I I think I expected all negative reactions mm -hmm. from most people. Um, and from most I I mean I came out very publicly when I Yeah. And I I did not expect much positive. Um I thought I could do good and reach a few select people who needed help or needed to feel like they weren't alone. Um but yeah, like there there was an outpouring of love and support and, and it was really fantastic. Um, and, and the special thing about that is, is that love was directed toward me being me, not me pretending to be someone else. Cause if like, so, so you knew it was real, you know, it's real. And that's the first time I'd really felt that. Cause like, I'd been, you know, like I, I'd been moving through life with this facade up and if people love it, it's hitting the facade first. You know, so whatever passes the p facade I'm getting, right? Mm -hmm. And that's from my closest relationships. But it's like, oh, we love you. And I'm like, you don't know me. You know, so so the love bounces off. But if you can remove that and show up as yourself, that's when you can really have transformative loving experiences. Yeah. So you did not come out in the newspaper article, Ben. But, I did not. But you did start coming out to people. And were you surprised by the reaction you got? The, the first ones, of course. I mean, I was, was just expecting people to think that I was, all those negative feelings I had about myself, I thought they would just come out and what other people had to say as well. Yeah. And so, like, this is a terrible thing that needs to change. And if I were just tried hard enough, I would I could fix it. Like, this is a gross thing. I thought that's how my friends were going to re react to. But no, that wasn't what happened. And I feel like with me, as as I'm getting the love and support, it's kind of like healing and, and adjusting these misconceptions I had of myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about myself in a healthier, more clear, more accurate way. And then I've also had, a, you know, a, a ridiculous amount of negative feedback from people who know me well and people I've never met before. But it almost, you know, it's easier to like discredit that because I know who i actually am now yeah like i love what's inside of me 
And if they're like, I hate what's inside of you, I'm like, okay, thanks for letting me know. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, it doesn't hurt as bad. Yeah. yeah because yeah. I know what's actually there. And I think the interesting thing is like, people didn't respond with like all these negative feelings I had about myself, but there was discomfort. They, yeah, the, for them? Yes. Yeah. For them, there were like, people didn't know what to say or what to do. And I don't think many people were uncomfortable, like, oh, Ben's gay. That makes me uncomfortable. But just, this is a conversation I don't know how to have. And, and it, it makes sense that like it is more comfortable for everyone who's not gay if everyone else stays in the closet. It is tech it's socially more comfortable. There's never any awkwardness, there's never questions. You just maintain the status quo. But perpetuating that culture is so devastating to the people who actually need to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so and and so that's kind of where that judgment comes from. Like, why do you have to share this? Why do you have to tell us about your rash? Or I, I hear people like, who cares who you're sleeping with? I'm, that like, was well, metaphor- I'm not sleeping with I anyone. Want, I want to make it clear that was a metaphorical rash. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. <laughs> Although if you had a rash, Steve, we would honor that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but you know, like people are always like, who cares who you, who you're sleeping with? People say that to me all the time. Definitely. And like I yeah. said, I'm not sleeping with anyone. <laughs> but it's not about that. Uh-huh. Right. It, it's, it's, it really goes so much beyond that because it's not a bad thing mm-hmm. and it's not a disease. Yeah. It just is a different life experience that we can use to create more growth and understanding in the world. Okay. So questions come to me as you two were both talking. Is it easier to be in the closet or is it easier to be out? It's easier to be out. I think out. What about you? Uh, I am so much happier. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at my wife. She has seen such a huge difference in it yeah just how i deal with life all across the board every aspect mm-hmm. yeah and i i feel the same way and you know this is three people who you know were like what, what did you call yourself like a model gay what did you say oh i'm a safe i say yeah i think we're all pretty safe gays you know and i think for people who might uh be outside of the the church norm more it would be it could be a harder experience uh but i think i think for 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 us you know who are all active in the church um for me, it's been so much easier to be out. I feel like I have to say something because of my friends who are more on the margins. Mm-hmm. Just to make a little bit of wiggle room. Yeah. Well, I mean, something you say, Ben, a lot is that culture is created, right? Mm. So if if there's like a critique on church culture, like we are, that we are the membership of the church. We we you know we can't like set the standard or the tone for everything, but we can influence the way that people are viewed and treated and how safe they feel among ourselves. Um, And I noticed after I came out, there was a dramatic decrease in offensive or, you know, like awkward things said about LGBTQ plus individuals because everyone in the room was checking themselves because then it, you can't just live under the assumption that nobody's gay in the room if you know somebody in the room's gay. And what that does is that breeds more inclusion for everybody else, because it's likely that I'm not the only gay person in whatever yeah. ward I'm in or whatever class I'm in. And it's also likely that there's somebody else who has some sort of, you know, like characteristic or trait that they feel ashamed of or are worried about acceptance. And so if we can create this, you know, like what's the the tent? Enlarge the, the tent? Mm-hmm. Is that in Isaiah or something? Yeah. Expand the, the, the borders expand of the Zion. Border. That's the my book. States, states <laughs> of Zion. You know, if, if we can make that tent bigger, then it's it's really helping everybody involved. Mm-hmm. So I think, I really think that as LGBTQ individuals in the church come out, we are pulling towards the culture of Christ. Yeah. 
And and you're letting everybody know that it's not some far off undefined group of people that we can then think are terrible because they know you. So it's like, oh, it's not us and those people. Mm-hmm. It's just us. We're it all here together. That, for sure. Mm-hmm. So you've had Jeff Case on. Yeah. Great guy. One of my favorites. Counselor, works worked at the VA. Uh, he wrote about this when I, when I asked. He said, my coming out to my ward, parentheses, in a fifth Sunday lesson, so think how fun that was for him, um, has also shifted the narrative in my local congregation. It was no longer an us versus them, but just a whole lot of us's. Cool. And the other blessing that has come from my coming out is I have met the most wonderful people. I have walked paths and found God's children in many parts of the vineyard where I would never have gone had I not been forced out of the mainstream path I was treading. But the biggest reason I made the choice was that the Spirit made it quite clear this was my path. Mm-hmm. So that's maybe the best reason. Yeah, I think that's so important. I, I was just messaging with someone today who I've just met a couple of times. He He's gay and married to a woman happily. And, and he said, Ben, I'm so grateful for what you're doing. I don't feel like I'm supposed to do that. I don't feel like I'm supposed to share my story. And I said, yeah, honor that. Whatever the Spirit is guiding you to do, do that. Yeah, yeah. And, and we, we can all be here and say, coming out was the best thing for me. It's been easier, but that doesn't mean it's the right thing for everybody. Because there are people who have experienced rejection, um, including some who the minute they brought it up, their spouse just assumed, well, then when do I talk to my lawyer and we start the divorce? Because that's all they'd, either that's all they'd heard about or they just couldn't deal with that. Mm-hmm. So... So here's what I think is the most interesting group is people who identify as bisexual because they get this whole thing about, well, I really can just pass because half of me is that, mm-hmm. that straight person. So you've had Brian Tanner on here before, which was one of my favorite episodes because it was talking about representation of LGBTQ people in media uh-huh. and, and ways that can be a good thing. Or, or sort of how to, to thread that needle. Yeah. So he says, as a bi man who's married to a woman, and he's got the greatest wife. Amy is really terrific. It's very, look up her BYU devotional people. Amy Tanner, you'll love her BYU devotional for a couple, from a couple of years ago. It's very easy for me to pass as straight. So easy, in fact, that I stayed hidden most of my life including the first nine years of my marriage, although my wife knew. And then I'm just, I'm cutting out a whole bunch of stuff. Ultimately, what made me come out is that staying hidden became too much of a burden. I felt like no one really knew me and that took a toll on my mental health. Building connections in the LGBTQ community could have helped me alleviate those feelings of isolation, but I kept standing on the outside because I was too afraid to even reveal myself as an ally. Mm-hmm. Just like you would be tainted with that brush if I stand too close. Yeah. You know, can, I, can I share something I, I heard recently from a friend? And I thought this was so beautiful. And I wish I'd thought of it first because it was so perfect. Uh, she she said when, when people say, you know, why do you come out? Why do you have to tell people? She said that everyone is a constellation. And there are these different stars that make up who we are. And if we just focus on one star, we're missing the whole constellation. But if you take out one star, it's incomplete. And she said, my orientation is part of my constellation and I am beautiful and you don't see it all until you see all of me. And I love that. I thought that was just so perfect. That is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe we're in a bit of a bubble of acceptance. I don't know if that's true in church. I mean, yes, I work at BYU. When I told my 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 boss I was I needed to come out to people, he said, 
first of all, he said, thank you for sharing. And uh, I, I'm glad to support you. He said, if you ever have any problems, you come to me right away. Mm-hmm. There have been no problems. But um, I thought that kind of support, I, I hope more of that can exist. Uh, just because there's not a lot of understanding. It, it needs to spread beyond the, the sort of bubbles of people who are informed. Well, I, I mean... I agree with that. And also there is the fact that you do have a wife and you have kids and you have a temple recommend. Um, and, and like how beautiful if that could be extended to all people, yes. regardless of where they're at. I mean, I, I think we're doing better at accepting gay people, but, but this, this still very like, I, I'll accept you. I'll love you. I'll be there for you. As long as your life looks like I want it to. Mm. Or as long as your life doesn't look threatening to me, um, and and I think you know that is farther than we've been. It, it, it truly is way farther than we've ever been, mm-hmm. and yet there's still so many people outside of that circle of love, who, you know, mm-hmm. you like, like. So th- I think that's kind of some of the bubble. It's like th- things are better than they've ever been, but they're still not great. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's good summation. Yeah. Ben, have you ever regretted that that you started coming out to people? Zero percent. Um, I, I'm so glad I did. But I also, you know, I came out to close friends when I was 23 and my parents at the same age. And it was kind of on a need-to-know basis for the next seven years. And I didn't come out more broadly until I was 30. And that, that was also the right thing for me. Hmm. And so it's not like, do you come out or don't you come out? It's who and when and why. And how. Yeah. And, and what? Yeah. I, re- I, re- I really like that because that's a way of testing the waters a little bit. If you really have someone that you can trust mm-hmm. um, to say, um, can I talk to you? Can I trust you with something? And, and, see, and just see how that feels when you, when you do it. Mm-hmm. With me, it felt like building a circle of safety until I was confident enough in that space to make it bigger. Mm-hmm. And now I can stand on, you know, the whole circle and, and feel comfortable. I'm, but yeah, it, it like I had to practice being confident and comfortable and kind of messy sometimes in these smaller mm-hmm. groups, um, which honestly makes me so sad for people who are outed because mm-hmm. like, oh, that would have been awful if it was just kind of like ripped out from under me. I, I was very in control of who knew when and how mm-hmm. until I wasn't. And then by the time that it was gossipy rumors, whatever, it was like, that's fine. I can handle this. Mm-hmm. I c- if I were to go through all 22 of these pages... Um, what you would get over and over and over again is I got to the point where I had to. My life was untenable as it was. And so I I just had to. Now I'm hearing from people who are out at least to a few family members and maybe a church leader or a a good friend at work, that kind of thing. Those are the people who responded. Um, so maybe there are a lot more that, that don't feel that way. But uh, just the idea, I love that when I hear the BYU students today or, or anyone uh, of that 20-year-old group, that they, it feels like they already have friends that they can, that they can trust, mm-hmm. which was something that just did not exist in, in past years. That like They know people in their schools who are allies. Mm-hmm. And I think that that creates a little safer ground. 
Steve, as you were talking, I remember the story that, that happened a while ago where I was giving a fireside um, and before the fireside, I had dinner with this family and the, the grandma of the family pulled me aside and we talked out on the porch and she said, I, there's something I want to talk to you about. And she told me that, that her father had come out to her on his deathbed. And wow. yeah, and said I, I'm gay, and told a bit of a story, uh, and then she had held this this secret in for like ten years, and she was like, "Do I? What do I do? Do I do I tell my siblings? Do I do I tell uh, my kids? Do I that tell is my, so fascinating. Yeah, do I tell my grandkids? And so as as we chatted, I, I basically said, "Well, what do you think he wants?" And she said, "I think he wants people to know." And so over the next few months, she told the, the whole family and uh-huh. some people were uncomfortable with the information, but, but she has gay grandkids, you know, LGBTQ grandkids. And, and it was nice to know that they had, that their great grandfather had, had been gay and, you know, like, was his life a waste? You know, no, of course not. Uh, could it have been better? Maybe, you know, we, we don't know. Uh, but now we have options that we just didn't have in the past. And so, you know, and I think it's just wonderful to, to have these options where, where we can do different things. But, but I think that there, that there are people on the other side of the veil who are looking at us and saying, I wish I could have lived in your world. Mm. Oh. Like, I wish I could have had that world. And, you know, I look at the kids now and I think, you know, it would have been so nice to live in that BYU world. You know, when I lived in, in, in that, this BYU world where there were no out gay students, you know, I was an undergrad. And, you know, 20 years from now, we'll, we'll look back and think, man, the world is so much better now. And, and so I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I'm just, I just, I'm just glad that we have more options. And, and if people, if someone wants to be out, that's something that they can be in, in, a, in a lot of the world. Um, but that's, that doesn't mean that, that they have to be. This question we started with that was asked sort of in the wrong way. Why would you be out if you could be, if you could pass this straight? I like another way that you guys phrased this was, well, uh, how, how could you say that to people? without the judgment in it so, sort of uh saying maybe a question like tell tell me why you decided yeah to like, be out now like mm-hmm. yeah uh, i'd like could to you know. help me see why it was important for you to yeah without because that's not judgment that that's i want to know more about you mm-hmm. i think that's what's going to create more understanding mm-hmm. and knit more hearts together i just hope that everyone who teaches a class is over a quorum or a, 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 an auxiliary organization or anywhere, whether it's in church or, or wherever, never speaks to the group without knowing that they very likely have LGBTQ people in their group. And if you think you don't, then maybe they just don't feel safe yet. But we just need to always have that in mind. And I, I think that helps us gather Israel. That helps us not drive people out um, before they maybe even know for sure who they are or what they want to do in life. That If we could just be aware in how we talk in every situation. Yeah, I love that. You know, Steve, as we've been talking, and I started to like heap praise onto you at the end, uh, uh, but, but um, a number of memories have come to mind where your music like inspired and touched and blessed me. And I don't know how much your orientation has to do, if at all, with your creativity. But when you were in the closet, you created things that blessed my life. And, you know, I just know that we 
have so much power to just bless people and make their lives better because you, before I even knew you, before you were even out, you blessed my life in so many ways uh, because of what you created. And I just am so excited to see what, what, what people in this world do to keep doing those kinds of things and bringing more light into the world. Well, th- thank you. That's really nice to hear. And it has been fun. I've had a few people write to me and say something similar that it means so much to me as an LGBTQ person that you're out because I like this particular song or this particular piece of music was meaningful to me. And somehow it's even more meaningful to me now. They're just thinking someone in my tribe did this. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being on. We just appreciate your wisdom. And, and thank you for bringing the stories of so many other people as well. Yeah, that so was what, fun. It was just three perspectives, but many, many more. <laughs> thank you for joining us today. If you have enjoyed this or other episodes, please consider leaving a review, following us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Questions from the Closet, or sharing this podcast with someone you love. And as always, please remember that we do not represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Brigham Young University. We're not trying to be prescriptive or tell anyone what to think or what to do. You heard three perspectives, and there are many, many more. We encourage you to listen to other voices and hear a wide variety of experiences. If you would like to submit a question or share a comment about today's episode, you can email us at questionsfromthecloset at gmail.com. Until Until next time. time.